Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. Parshas Vayishlach, the end of Parshas Vayishlach, is taken up with a long genealogy of all the children of Esav, of the various Alufe Esav, of the princes of the Esav nation of Edom, and also a list of eight uh, Edomite kings, of eight kings who ruled over the people of Esav. I'd like to examine one small section of this uh, part of the text. Uh, like many of the genealogies in the Torah, uh, they look kind of dull and tedious, but when you start looking at them more carefully, you see a lot of interesting points. Let's begin with Perak Lamed Vav, Pasek Lamed Aleph. These are the kings that ruled in Eretz Edom, in the land of Edom, which is the land of Esau, Lifnei Moloch Melech Lifnei Yisrael, before the reigning of a king over B'nai Yisrael. In other words, these kings of Edom all ruled before Shaul HaMelech, who was the first Jewish king. Let's take a look at Rashi here. The Eila HaMelechim, these are the kings. Rashi says, Shmoina Melechim Hoy. There were eight Edomite kings, Uchenegdon, and in corresponding to them, Hamid Yaakov, Yaakov established, interesting that he says Yaakov. In other words, it seems that Rashi is putting the facts of this Pasuk into the context of the, the quarrel and the competition for greatness between Yaakov and Esau. So corresponding to these eight Edomite kings, Yaakov established other kings, and he nullified kingdom from Esav during their days. Meaning when Yaakov had kings, at least the, the best and most powerful kings, so then Esav didn't have a king during those times. The Elohim, these are the eight Jewish kings that because they ruled, there was no room in Edom, they didn't have any kings. They were sort of just uh, vassals of some sort of the Jewish kingdom. Shaul, Shaul the first king, the Ishboshes, David, Shlomo, Rechavam, Avia, Asa, Yehoshaphat. Those are the eight Jewish kings. And during their times, there was no king in Edom. Only before Shaul came, there were eight kings in Edom. Uvimei Yehoram, in the days of Yoram, who was the king who came after Yehoshaphat, so it says in the Pasuk, Pasha mitachas yad Yehuda. In his days, in the days of Yoram, so Edom uh, rebelled against the hand of Yehuda, who the hand of the kingdom of Yehuda, who had previously ruled over them, and the Edomites uh, established upon themselves a king. However, in the days of Shaul, it is written, There is no king in Edom. The Melech is not a real Melech. He's a Nitzav. He's a 
representative. He's an administrator of some kind over the people, but he does not have the status of a king. So we see that there were eight kings, eight Edomite kings who ruled before Shaul became the king of Klal Yisrael. And then at that point, there were eight Jewish kings, one after another, during which time the Edomium, the Edomites were vassals to the kingdom of Klal Yisrael or of Yehuda. And then when there was a certain decline in the kingdom of Klal Yisrael, so then the, uh, the Edomites were able once again to establish a kingdom. Okay, we're not going to go into this Rashi in so much detail. Let's go to the next Pasuk. The next couple of Psukim. Now, Vayim Leich Be'edoim, and now the Pasuk is going, the Psukim are going to tell us about these kings of Edoim. Vayim Leich Be'edoim, and he reigned over Edoim, Bela ben Ba'or, Bela the son of Ba'or, Meshem Iroi Dinhova. The name of his city was Dinhova. Vayomas Bola, and Bola then later died. And he reigned in his place, Yovav ben Zerach. Who reigned in his place? A person named Yovav ben Zerach, mi Batsra, from the city of Batsra. Vayomas Yovav, and then Yovav died. Vayimleich Tachtov, Chusham me'eretz ha'temoni. And reigning in his place was Chusham, who came from the Eretz ha'temoni, from the southern land. Vayomas Chusham, and then Chusham died. Hadad ben Bedad. And then Hadad, the son of Bedad, he reigned in his place. And who is this Hadad ben Bedad? The Torah gives us a little bit of information about him, a little bit more than the others. He is the one who smote Midian in the field of Moyov. We'll explain a little more about that in a moment. The name of his city was Avis. What does it mean that Hadad ben Bedad uh, smote or hit Midian in the field of Moyav? So Rashi explains, Shabo Midian al Moyav the Melchama. There was a time that the, the nation of Midian made war upon Moab. There were two of these nations in the, in the region. They were at war. And then the king of Edom went to help Moyav. So Hadad ben Bedad was this Edomite king who went to the stay Moyav. He went to the field of Moyav, where the Moabites were fighting the Midianites. And uh, Hadad ben Bedad, he joined forces with Moab, and he was able to beat up Midian. Okay. Let's just uh, finish this little section of text. Vayamas Hadad, and then Hadad died. Vayimlech tachtov samlomi masreko. And Samla, who was from the city of Masreka, he reigned in his place. Vayama Samla, and then Samla died. Shaul And then Shaul, who came from Rechavai Sanahar, he ruled in his place. And then Shaul died, and Balchanan, the son of Achbor, he ruled in his place. And then Balchanan ben Achbor died. Hadar, and a person named Hadar, he became the king in his place. The shame Iroi, Po. The name of his city was Po. The shame Ishto, and the name of his wife. Interesting, this is the only one whose wife is mentioned. Mehetabel bas Matred bas Mezahov. 
his wife was Mehitabel, the daughter of Matzred, the daughter of, of Mezohov. Okay, this is the succession of kings in Edom, uh, rather dry and uh, uninteresting on the face of it. Let's focus on one Rashi here in the regarding the second of these kings. The first one was Bela ben Bohor, and then we have um, then we have Yevav ben Zerach Mipotsra. You'll notice that on most of these, Psukim Rashi says nothing. Here, Rashi says something. Says Rashi, Yevav ben Zerach Mipotsra. He says, Botsra me'are me'ovhi. Botsra was actually one of the cities of Moyav. Now we're listing here the kings of Edom. So it seems like Rashi is asking a question. Wait a minute. How could you say the king of Edom came from Botsra? Botsra is a Moabite city. Shenemar, as it says, Yal Kiryos Vial Botsra. It says in Yermiyahu, chapter Memches, Al Kiryos Vial Botsra. If you look at the whole passage, you'll see more clearly how Rashi knows. And it says, Vial Kol Arei Eretz Mayot. It talks about a place called Kiryos and a place called Botsra, and all of the cities of the land of Moab. So you see that Botsra is a Moabite city. Now, Sarashi seems to be asking Akasha that Botsra, how could you say Yoiva ben Zerach, the king of Edom, came from Botsra? Ah, Botsra is not, a, is not an Edomite city. It's a city of a different nation. It's a city in Botsra, as we see in the Pesach in Yermia. Sarashi answers, because uh, this city of Basra provided a king to Edom, they exported a king to Edom, which happens sometimes among kingdoms. So in the future, Basra is going to suffer together with Edom. When a Kodesh Baruch eventually destroys Edom, he's going to destroy the city of Basra also. Shinemar, as it says in a Pasuk in Yeshayahu, there will be a slaughter for Hashem in Batsra. And if you look there in the context in Ishaya, it is talking about Hashem destroying Edom. But in the middle of that, it says, and Hashem's going to make a big slaughter in the city of Batsra. So it seems like Rashi asked Akashia. Here it says that Yevav ben Zerach, the king of Edom, came from Batsra, but Rashi seemed to ask a question. What do you mean? But he came from, a really, Batsra is in a different country, in a different kingdom. So Rashi answered, yes, he was imported by the Edomites from Mayav, and because uh, Mayav uh, provided this service, because the city of, of Batsra in Mayav provided this service to the Edomian, so uh, when the time will come uh, speedily in our days that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will destroy Edom, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will destroy Batsra. It seems like Rashi is asking a question and giving an answer. Uh, the problem, one of the problems with this is that this, this question that Rashi seems to be asking is based on a much later Pesach. It's not even in the Torah at all. It's a Pesach in Yirmiya. And I've said many times that Rashi does not usually ask a question based on a later Pusik. Normally, Rashi will allow a Pusik to, to be as it is, as long as it's not 
intrinsically in and of itself difficult, he will normally leave it without comment. If there's some other Pasek later on that, that contradicts it or in some way makes a problem for it, so Rashi will address it when he comes to that later Pasek. And here, here he's explaining the Torah, he's explaining Sefer Bracious, and he says, well, wait a minute, I have a question in Yirmiya, it says such as, like he's trying to be the smart boy in class, show that he show off that he knows Yirmiya. This is not seemingly characteristic, characteristic of Rashi. There is a Sefer, one of the super commentaries on Rashi, which I don't mention very often, is called Divrei David. Divrei David was written by the Rabbeinu David, the, known as the Baal Hataz. Uh, he wrote uh, one of the most important commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch is known as the Turei Zahov, or for short, the Taz. The, the Baal Hataz also wrote a super commentary on Rashi called Divrei David. The Divrei David raises or seems to raise the question, I mean, what, what, what exactly does Rashi want? Why is Rashi coming in with this Pusik from, from left field, so to speak, from Yermia and asking Akashio? The Divri David explains that that's not really what's bothering Rashi. The Divri David explains what's really bothering Rashi is, why does the Pusik bother to tell us where this person Yavav ben, Yavav ben Zerach came from? Why does the Torah tell us that he's from Batsra? What, what use is that? to me. And so on that, uh, the, 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 according to the Divrei David, Rashi answers, because there's a story behind that. Because really he came from a foreign city. He came from a city that was not part of Edom. But his city exported him to Edom to be the king of Edom. And because of that, uh, someday they're going to suffer. Now the Divrei David asks upon himself, he says, you mean Rashi just wanted to explain why the Torah tells us where this king came from? But by the other eight kings, by the other seven of these eight kings, by each one of them, the Torah tells us where he was from. And Rashi doesn't raise any questions there. Rashi does not talk about the city of Dinhava. The Rashi doesn't talk about why the Torah would tell us that Bela came from Dinhava. And Rashi doesn't talk about why the Torah would tell us that Chushom came from Eretz Atemani, or why Hadad ben Bedad came from Avis. So why, why was Rashi concerned? about why Yevav ben Zerach came from Batsra. So the, 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 the Rabbeinu Hataz says, where we can explain, we'll explain. Meaning, Rashi didn't have any answer why the Torah tells us that uh, Bela was from Dinhava or why uh, uh, Hadad ben Bedad was from Avis. So therefore he didn't say anything. But over here, there's an answer. Here there's an answer, there's an explanation why the Torah told us that Yehva ben Zerach came from Batsra. So where Rashi could give an answer, he gave an answer. Uh, in my humble opinion, I am not worthy of disagreeing with the, with the Baal Hataz. Yet I find myself without, with little choice, but to, if not to disagree, then certainly to choose to explain things in a different way. Because if this were true, that Rashi has a, a shita, that he has a, uh, an approach of where we can explain something, we'll explain it, then the commentary of Rashi on the Torah should have been at least 10 times longer than it really is. Because all you have to do is open up a Midrash Rabbah or any other Midrash and open up a Gemara and you will see 
that on most of the psukim that Rashi says something about, there's at least a, a whole page of the other explanations, which Rashi does not quote. And sometimes Rashi says nothing, even when there's a whole page of Midrash or Gemara about a certain Pasuk. The reason is, Rashi didn't just say, his, his approach was not where I can say something interesting about a Pasuk, I'll say it. That was clearly not his approach. His approach was, I will explain the Pshat. And if there's a whole page of Gemara which explains a Pasuk in a way that, uh, that in my opinion is not Pshat, I'm not going to mention it. It's not, it doesn't, doesn't concern me. In this commentary, when I learn the Gemara, it's very important, it's the Emes. But not in this commentary that I am writing, it's not relevant to me. So I find myself with no choice but to put aside what the Taz says about this Rashi and to look for other explanations. And I think the uh, much better explanation can be found uh, based on the words of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Sichrein of the Vracha. In the, there was a sefer called Be'urim Leperish Rashi, uh, based on the Rebbe's Sichais, in which he explained many times uh, different uh, Rashi comments. So if you look there in this parsha, in Parsha Svayishlach, on Parsha, on Pasek Lamed, which we saw before, and on, on, on this Pasek, Pasek Lamed Gimel. So you will see a very, very interesting and rather lengthy explanation from the Rebbe. I'm going to say, take certain points. I'm not going to say everything that the Rebbe said, and I'm sure I'm not saying everything exactly with all the nuances that the Rebbe intended. I'm going to say it in my way, but I, I give credit to the Rebbe for opening my eyes to these matters. The Rebbe makes a fundamental point about this whole list of the eight kings. And he also uh, displays his expert knowledge of Tanakh in order to understand what's going on here. The, the fundamental point that the Rebbe makes is that the Torah introduces these eight kings in order, or at least in part in order, to belittle them. To say that yes, Edom, Esau, had kings, but they weren't so great and they weren't so many. First of all, there were only eight. Klai Yisrael had many more kings. There were only eight kings of, my, of Edom. Secondly, as we saw in the Rashi on Pasuk Lamed Aleph, when the Jewish kings arrived, when Shoal first took over as the Jewish king, they were able to subjugate the Edomite kings and to cancel their whole royal succession. During the times of the first eight Jewish kings, there were no kings in Edom. Third, the Malchei Edom did not uh, create an empire. It says, where, where did they reign? The Eretz Edom, only in the land of Edom, only in a relatively small land. They did not go out and conquer the world or even any significant part of the world. A fourth point that the Rebbe makes is that these kings of Edom were foreigners. He says, he claims, we'll talk about his proof in a moment, but the Rebbe claims that none of these kings actually came from the land of Edom. They were all foreigners, they had to be imported. And that is not a, a, a glorious 
situation when your when your country doesn't have people amongst themselves who are strong enough to be the king and they have to import from elsewhere. Now, this, the Rebbe's source for this is not 100% clear to me, but I think we can say several, several uh, points that, that several facts that point in this direction, that these kings actually were not Edomites. First of all, as we mentioned before, the Psukim tell us about each king, which city he came from. None of these cities are known to be Edomite cities. If you look through Tanakh, in various places where the cities of Edom are mentioned in one context or another, you're not going to find most of these names. I don't think you're going to find any of them. Another point is that we had previously in the Torah, just previously in this Parsha, we had a whole etymology, a whole a genealogy, pardon me, pardon me, a whole genealogy of the descendants of Asaph. Of, the, of his children and, and the children of his children and the different families that they, that the different clans that they, that they formed. And none of these kings seem to be from any of them. It certainly doesn't mention that uh, Bela came from Asaph's son, uh, um, from this one of Asaph's sons, and that uh, Yevav came from that, from Korah, from that one of Asaph's sons. It doesn't seem like these people came from the families of Asaph. And another point, so, so all of this seems to point to the fact, to, 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 to the, all of this seems to direct us towards what the Rebbe says, that these were foreigners. And that is a, a belittlement of these kings, that they had to be imported from elsewhere. Another way in which I think we see the weakness of these kings is that by none of them does it say, by none of these kings does the Torah tell us about their, their gavura, their, their valor in battle or in any other manner. It just says this, this king and he died and then the other fellow took over. The only one about whom the Torah has anything glorious to say is Hadad ben Bedad, who smote Midian in the fields of Moab. Now, that sounds pretty good. He beat up the country of Midian. However, as we saw in Rashi, it really was not so glorious because as we saw in Rashi, Midian happened to be at war with Maya for whatever reason they were at war. And Hadad ben Bedad, the king of Edom came along and he assisted Maya and he managed to beat up Midian. So it comes out, what is the greatest exploit of military valor that was ever performed by one of the kings of Edom, that he was able to beat up Midian when Midian was weakened already by being at war with Maya. It's a, it's what you would call a second-rate glory, second-rate military valor. So, for all of these, uh, we see from all of these points that these were not glorious, powerful, magnificent. Kings. In fact, the Torah seems to be Dafka specifically pointing out their weakness. Now, the Rebbe now goes to the Rashi that we are focusing on, and he turns it upside down. 
at first glance, he is literally turning it upside down. Only after you think about it, it seems that he's actually right. The Rebbe explains, why did Rashi get involved with this question? Yoivav ben Zeraf mi And Rashi raises the question, Rashi raises the point that Basra actually is one of the cities of Mayav. Seems like Akasha. The Rebbe explains that it's not Akasha. It's an answer. What was Rashi's question? His question was that Yoivov ben Zerach mi would seem to be an, an exception to many of the points that we just made. First of all, Zerach. The name Zerach appears amongst the chieftains, amongst the tribal leaders of Edom. If we go back in this parak to Pasuk Yud Zion, we will see. The Eilav and ben Esav, these are the children of Reuel, the son of Esav. Aluf Nachas, Aluf Zerach, the chief of Nachas, the chief of Zerach, Aluf Shamo, Aluf Mizah, etc., etc. We see that amongst the children of Reuel, the son of Esav, there was someone named Zerach, who was an important tribal leader. So Zerach, pardon me, let's go back to our Rashi. So, um, Yevov ben Zerach, Yevov, the son of Zerach, seems to be a native-born Edomite, unlike all these other kings. That's one question that Rashi is expecting us to notice. That's one question that Rashi is addressing, says the Rebbe. And another question that he's raising is that it says here that he came from the city of Botsra. Botsra, we find in Tanakh, was an Edomite city, whereas all these other cities that are mentioned as being the birthplaces of these kings, are not found in Tanakh to be cities of Edom, but Botsra, if we look in Yeshaya, Samech Gimel, Aleph, it says, Mize Bomi Edom, who is this who is coming from Edom? It's referring to Hashem. Who is this coming from Edom? Chamutz Begadim Mi Botsra. He is stained, his clothes are stained from the blood in Botsra. Okay, let's not worry about the context, but it's saying he is coming from Edom from Batsra. So what do we see? Batsra is a city in Edom. So the Rebbe says that Rashi had two questions on this Yoivov and Zerach mi Batsra. And that's why Rashi puts all these words into the Dibur Hamaskal, into his title. His two questions are, wait a minute. If the Torah is coming to denigrate these kings by telling us, that none of them are really Edomites, and none of them come from Edomite cities. But wait a second, Zerach was an Edomite, he was one of the Alufi Edom, and Botsra is an Edomite city. All of that is what is what we call a, an inferred question, a, an, a, a, an implicit question, but not a stated question, which of course in most places is the kind of question that Rashi uses. He usually does not tell us explicitly what his question is. So Rashi had two implicit, unstated questions. And on that, Rashi answers. He says, no, no, no. Batsra me'are moyavi. This city of Batsra is, in fact, not an Edomite city. Yes, there is a city called Batsra, which is an Edomite city, but this is a different Batsra. This city of Batsra is a Moabite city. As it says 
in Yemiyahu, the Alkiriots, the Albosra, the Alkol Eretz Mayov, Alkol Ore Eretz Mayov. So this city of Mayov, this city of Basra is in, just like all the others, is not an Edomite city. And therefore Zerach, who came from there, is not an Edomite. Why is the Torah? Okay, and as a proof to that, he says, you see that, that, that when HaKadosh Baruch will punish, will punish Edom in the end of days, he will also punish Basra. So it comes out that what we thought was Rashi's question, no, no, no. Just the opposite. That is Rashi's answer. He is saying that just like by all these other kings, they were not Edomite in their in their genealogical origins, and they did not come from Edomite cities. That's what Rashi is. He's answering. He's saying, yes, it's true. This king also, Yaiva ben Zerach Mibasra also was not an Edomite and he did not come from an Edomite city. So what seemed to be Rashi's question is really his answer. What does all of this teach us? I'm not 100% I'm not sure. It seems to be saying to us, at least in part, I think it's conveying a message that we should not be too intimidated by Edom. We are, uh, according to tradition, we are Ad Hayam till this very day. We are in Golis Edom. We are in an exile, which is the exile of Edom, or an extension of the exile of Edom. And there have been many times during this exile where things have seemed very frightening and where there were very great losses to call Yisrael. But I think in part, uh, what these psukim and these rashis are conveying to us is that the greatness of, of Esau, the greatness of Edom is very temporary may not seem temporary to us, but in the eyes of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, it is temporary and it is not really first rate. It may seem that way at times, but really they are a second rate kingdom and we should not be intimidated. In any case, we see here how carefully that one must approach a Rashi, that sometimes even what you think is the question is not the question at all, it is actually the answer.